I'm a professional motherfucker. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. And I'm Erica. And Erica, it's our last episode of the season. Woo! So we're doing something a little different. Yes. We are going to be talking about really big stories that we just haven't gotten around to covering because the world is a dumpster fire. Yeah, and there's only so much, you know, (laughs) water in the cannon, if you know what I mean. We respect your time. We don't want to give you four-hour podcasts like the history of Rome. Um (laughs) oh my god that's four hours (laughs) seriously there's like i can't even watch a movie for four hours no that's why they used to have intermissions (laughs) um and we are recording this a little early because erica is heading back home to alberta yay for the holidays three weeks bitches three weeks because i deserve it you do deserve it thank you you deserve nothing but the best thank you um so what are you looking forward to doing over your holidays nothing (laughs) no seriously which (laughs) working on existing projects like (laughs) well everything's an existing project at this point but i mean you're not taking on new things no um no new work no well okay i'm not taking on new work until january let's put it that way yeah yeah yeah. i'm not i'm pretty much like got december set yeah yeah nice but next year is pretty exciting Mm -hmm. because i know we're working on something yep and um which could actually connect to something else that might be opening up i know this is very it's very inside baseball very cryptic very nebulous you know i understand but um we'll we'll let you guys know we don't want to like get you hyped up and not deliver that's basically it i mean we're not men Cool. Um, so it's very cold in Alberta right now, right? Actually, it's not too bad. It was minus 20 for a while there. When isn't it minus 20, except when Ishanip comes in? So is it... Is it... What's it, what's it like there now? Um, well, my parents haven't complained about it. They've oh. actually said it's been pretty decent. Is that your barometer? Yes. Okay. Because when they complain, they will complain. They will call me. And be like, girl, you know how cold it is here? And I'm just like, let me guess. It's like minus 15. (laughs) They're like, it was minus 23. (laughs) Uh, That's really funny because my parents (laughs) are... Did you like that accent? (laughs) Yeah, that was real good. My parents are kind of the exact opposite. I was like, oh, it's so cold and rainy here. And I'm like... Okay, first of all, it's don't Vancouver. Co- it's Vancouver. Don't complain about the rain because that's literally what you signed up for. Also, how cold is it? Oh, it's zero. Okay. It's <laughs> minus ten here. Yeah. I and don't like want to hear cold about your cold minus ten. Like a like a windy like, minus ten. Wasn't that wind bl- it was obnoxious last night? It's vicious. Oh my gosh. Vicious. I was like, really? Is this necessary? I know. So I'm going to be heading to the East Coast for the holidays. Oh, so on the opposite end. Yeah, I'm going to go visit my boyfriend's family and spend the holidays with them. Have you done that before? Is this the first time? First Christmas away from home. Oh. I have a lot of feelings. Yeah. Mm, Most of them aren't great. 
Yes. Not because his family's not wonderful. They are. And his friends are there are great too. It's more just like, I'm very much a stickler for our Christmas traditions. Yeah. And I don't like when they're fucked with. You know what? You and my mom, okay? My mom is huge on Christmas. And she has these, and she's like, and every year, every year, she will she will roll out the same logistics. Yeah. Okay? And she'll roll it out at like November 15th. And I'm just like, but we did this last year. Yeah. So usually uh, when I'm in Vancouver, our Christmas morning is we wake up, we do gifts, then we do breakfast, then we usually host dinner so we cook and clean and lounge around spend time together then family comes over we eat da 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 blah 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 last year my brother stayed over at his girlfriend's family's house about an hour uh away from vancouver Mm. and they were coming in on christmas day they said they were going to come around noon they didn't they didn't come till about three and you were pissed i was like well my whole routine's gone so we're trying to do our our like immediate family gifts when like the rest of the family is there and we've got little kids and it's just chaotic. Yeah. It just wasn't as special. And I was very annoyed. Yeah. Did you tell him? I did. I said, we're not doing this again. <laughs> but so then they were like, well, we're going to go to Mexico. Um, so I was like, cool, I'm going to go to to uh, the East Coast. Then they're not going to Mexico. They're going to like Kamloops, Kelowna. That's a like... <laughs> That's, that's leveling a, that's down a, yeah, hard. Downgrade. <laughs> um, but I imagine in terms of climate, Halifax, Vancouver, relatively the same. So mm. it's going to be rainy, very likely. It's going to be cold, but not freezing. Well, let's hope you don't get that maritime snowstorm. Fuck. <laughs> Your face. She just realized what the fuck that entails. You know what? It's only, it's only like a week. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. That's good. Um, and as a reminder, don't forget to contribute to our Patreon. Yep. Um, Erica talked about a lot of plans that we have going forward mm-hmm. and we need your help to make those plans come to fruition. Uh, you can contribute whatever works for you, um, from $5 to $50 and you get rewards like our newsletter, which stresses me out to no end. <laughs> Yo, I think I had, you know what? I got to talk to you about the newsletter because I have ideas. Cool. Um, But we sent a newsletter with a lot of links, a lot of things that we don't cover on the podcast. We talk about, uh, we share uh, podcast recommendations, um, long detailed tweet threads, Mm -hmm. whatever your little heart desires, we put it in the newsletter and you can get that for just $5 a month. And yeah, so check out what the rewards are for becoming a patron. Uh, Patreon.com slash bad and bitchy. Yep. So let's get into a whole bunch of stories we didn't cover this year. In our year in review. Yeah. So first up, uh, net neutrality. Mm -hmm. Um, The Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC in the U.S., is looking to repeal net neutrality. Uh, This means that Internet providers like Comcast can create tiered plans with varying levels of service quality. For example, a basic package may give you the ability to browse the internet, but it not may not be fast enough to allow for streaming services like Netflix or Spotify. And if you want those services, then you'd have to pay additional fees. This is some level of fuckery. That is fucked 
up. You know, you might have to pay more for social media. You might have to pay. You'll definitely have to pay more the for Republic- porn. Yeah. Not that like. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the Republicans have been trying to do this since the Obama administration. Yes. I think the second administration. Yeah. And basically, that's when Google and Facebook and them got to, and I think Amazon got together and basically shut down their sites. Yeah. For a period of time in protest. Yeah, they did it over the summer in July for a day, too. They, yes, they did it again. And um, what I see is okay. So from um, sort of like this political sort of idea, I find that tech is very much seen as democratic, like the Democrats. Oh, the Democrats love Silicon Valley time of thing. So I feel like this is sort of, um, you know, one sort of entrenched lobby group against another, and it just happens to take political sides. Yeah. Like, I don't think the Republicans would really care if tech were, like, you know, giving money to them. No, they wouldn't complain. They they wouldn't complain, and they would would act in their interest. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also... um, I... uh, Oh gosh, this is <laughs> this is just gonna do. This is just the worst. This is one of the worst policies I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah, and I know that for our listeners, it seems like why the hell should we care about net neutrality? Because how does that? How is that an intersectional issue, right? Well, uh, net neutrality would make the internet a public utility. And instead of increasing access to the internet, particularly in rural areas, it could actually reduce access. And it kind of creates a system of winners and losers with those who can afford having the Cadillac of internet packages. um, uh, Those, sorry. It creates a system of winners and losers with those who can afford to have the Cadillac of internet services uh, being primarily rich white people mm-hmm. and surprisingly those who are poor and those who are marginalized probably won't be able to access all of those higher quality services weren't the republicans the party of business and innovation yeah and okay. this would actually apparently stifle innovation and business it would so it would horribly and you know, another another um, reason we as Canadians should care is because basically every bad idea that has been proven bad in America is still adopted in Canada. In fact, I saw a piece the other day oh, about wait. Bell. Was it on Canada Land who said uh, that Bell is looking to end net neutrality in Canada? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Awesome. Um these documents that Canada Land uh, got access to reveal a plan to create a not-for-profit corporation responsible for maintaining a blacklist of alleged pirate sites. So they want to basically end net neutrality in the name of blocking piracy. Yeah, and they're going to tell you that piracy is the biggest thing, the biggest threat to the internet. Bullshit. Piracy has been a, a piracy has been around. As long as the internet. Uh, yeah. Have you met uh, Sean Parker? Yeah. 
there you go. That's we're why we know about- who Sean Parker is. Exactly. Well, um, yeah. Exactly. And um, Napster. Guys. Oh, Napster. Girl, I was just thinking about Napster. I I remember congressional hearings over Napster. Yeah. Napster is what actually Napster really sank Metallica's career. It's true. <laughs> they became they became the 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 snitches of music. And they became so corporate yeah. that it basically tanked their career when they decided to bitch about Napster. Anybody remember that? I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that was Metallica. Wild. Yeah, you always thought Metallica was hardcore rock and roll. Yeah, you thought they were... They, they in were, it for the money. They were in it for the money, and they exposed themselves, and it killed their brand. And you know what? That's fine if you're in it for the money. Have you met Taylor Swift? Yeah. Yo, I, I'm just like, don't don't be grassroots, let's say, Metallica. Don't make music like uh, grassroots type of... of for the people. For the people music. And then sit up on a congressional hearing and bitch about you not getting your royalties. Yeah. Okay. So that was an aside. <laughs> um. <laughs> so basically, uh, let people know that you hate the repeal of net neutrality. Well, I'm really... Is this in- some bullshit? Well, I'm really interested in this Bell thing. Because... Apparently, Bell is leading a coalition of companies that intends to push the telecom regulator, CRTC, to create a not-for-profit corporation that would maintain a list of websites it had determined were peddling pirated materials and force all Internet service providers in the country to block access to them. The proposal closely follows testimony Bell made this fall before House of Commons committee. The new corporation would be called, and it's not a corporation, it would be an agency, would be called the Internet Piracy Review Agency. Oh. Uh-huh. Cool. Uh-huh. So basically, if Bell decides that any part of your website has, has, um, has pirated material in the way they define piracy they can actually restrict access to your website. And guess who's going to suffer the most? The little people, the small businesses, etc. So, where is where's the outrage is my question. Well, this only came out a couple of days ago. This has been going on for at least 2 years though. Sure. Oh, the bell part. Yeah, only the bell part. Okay. The bell part. Yeah. Um So beware Canada, it's coming here. Ugh. So our next topic, something that we've heard a lot about in Ottawa, um, it's penetrated across the country a little bit, but definitely something that many of our American and international listeners probably have no idea about, um, is the federal government Phoenix pay system. (laughs) This is, I mean, very inside baseball, but if you think about it in a larger context, um, it's definitely something of interest. So... A large swath of Canadian federal government employees have not been getting paid for nearly two years due to to a change in the government pay system. A number of factors have contributed to this, including poor software procurement and the implementation of the program. Uh, The switch was intended to save the government nearly $70 million annually, but a recent report from the government says that getting the system back on track will cost nearly half a billion dollars, which is this is according to the attorney general or the auditor general. Um, and with the whole fiasco 
coming in at nearly a billion dollars in total. This is such an epic clusterfuck. I can't even... You know what? Okay, you know what angers me? Yo, all you... First of all, all you Phoenix... All you people who have been affected by Phoenix, I feel you. And I feel for you. And what's shitty about it is that people are only giving you words. Mm. That's all. The government has only given you the I'm sorry that you have to suffer. They have not provided emergency funding for you. Yeah. So how much they're sorry really doesn't matter when you have to eat. Yeah. Now, so, you know, before we go back to whose fault this is, I think the conservative government, the liberal government, and the public service each have a role to play in this. Um, It's never just one person or one faction. Um, But I'll move on from blame. I, what bothers me, especially about this Phoenix thing, is that when I was in government, I wasn't paid by Phoenix. Like, I wasn't, I was a steady paycheck kind of thing. So Phoenix did not affect me. Right. So, but I know it affected a lot of people who went off on mat leave, a lot of people. Basically, if you had any change in salary whatsoever. Yeah, a a change in in, um, job status. Job status, which could be... um, A new employee. Yeah. uh, A student. Yeah. uh, A a temporary employee. Yeah. Someone going on mat leave, someone changing jobs. Or somebody taking a year and a half off. Yeah. (laughs) Um, for me to go back to the public service, I will be fucked by Phoenix. There's just no, yep. there's no, no. So why would I want to go back? Yeah. And it could even affected some people who were getting promotions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the types of problems that people were face or have been facing because this is still an ongoing issue, um, are things like underpayment, overpayment, or just not getting paid at all. Yeah. And so... Now, people are uh, apparently they're keeping, um, I guess they're keeping this promise to pay out people eventually. Yeah. But if you get a lump sum payment and you haven't been paid for two years, what the fuck is that going to do to your tax bracket? Oh, my God. Imagine how many. So in other words, not only are you being there's an opportunity cost of being delayed payments. Right. So the opportunity cost is that you could actually work somewhere else that pays you. Yeah. Possibly more. Yeah. Um, poss- and you are still paying a huge cost even if you do get paid. So in other words, you're effectively getting paid less than your salary because of that tax bracket mm-hmm. that you're going to be in. Yeah. So, and that affects the future years, um, RRSP limits yep. and and um and things that you're eligible for child tax credits all of that so you might not even get that money either Mm -hmm. so i do think that this is one of the most underreported stories not because people the the um canadian media isn't talking about it but they're really not talking about it in in anything more than a superficial way yes because and it's it's highly disappointing to be honest, and it goes back to my what do we what is the Canadian media here for? Yeah, because I mean the people who are in these types of jobs, um, particularly the ones that are temporary, uh, are people are um, 
more probably more likely to be women, more likely to be minorities, trying to get their foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are probably younger, who are mm-hmm. just stri- fresh out of college. Yep. Um, and they could also be older people who have retired yep. and are looking just to add a contract yep. to their job to kind of just supplement their old age security pension. Yes. And I don't know, like, what I find troubling that we're not looking at is that the government of Canada is the biggest employer of contract temporary workers, precarious workers, and people. So they are creating basically a tale of two cities. They are creating a wedge between the permanent employees and the temporary ungrowing underclass. So mm. when we talk about precarious work and we talked about, remember when we talked about minimum wage in Ontario mm-hmm. and how it was necessary because of the increased status of precarious work, don't forget that the same government that talks about we're here to help is the one that's putting you in that precarious work. Because the biggest talking point is growing the middle class. That's right. How are you going to grow the middle class if you are not giving them benefits? And the government has not said anything about this. The liberal government has not said anything about this. They have not addressed this. They've not even, but to be honest, which reporters have even asked the question? I don't know. So what I want to know is how the government can be for the middle class and growing the middle class and helping Canadians and, and servicing Canadians when they're the ones that are putting Canadians in that underclass. Yeah, and it doesn't help when you've got women going on, or I, I guess parents going on parental leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're pay getting fucked up and then the family generally having to rely on one full-time salary yeah yeah so like that's why people should care that's why everybody should care and i and i understand and i think eric understands too that it's hard to get sympathy for people who a lot of the time are just unionized people who have full-time jobs okay let me let me just let me just say something about that (laughs) for okay uh, I, I mean, th- my my opinion of it is we all make choices and you have the the option to take that choice. Yeah. Um, so here's what I'm going to talk about in terms of that viewpoint. Um, you you pay for stability. Yes. And you pay for it in ways that don't seem valuable to some people but are hella valuable to others. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been, uh, if you've ever worked in the federal public service, you will know that your growth is pretty much limited. Um, in terms of, I, f- I find that the work itself is mind-numbing and boring. I find that um, people are like, oh, what are you complaining about? You're getting paid well for boring work. Really? Do you know what that does to your self-esteem? Yeah, it makes you not feel like... Like you are valued or valuable. Yeah. Okay? So basically, and, you know, I will say this too. Um, 
when you add up the benefits and you add up the pay, for some people, they're still being underpaid. Sure. In terms of the Absolutely. federal sub- so, so for the there higher... Certain, there are certain jobs where yes. you do make more money than in the private That's sector. That's right. Like more, particularly in the administrative the, jobs. Yes. I was just about to say, see, you're. I feel like we're on the same level. Okay. So the administrative jobs are very much... Um, there, I would say they're paid higher than yes in the in the private sector. Hundred percent. Um, administration administrators though usually are treated like shit, despite, despite largely playing a very important uh, role. Exactly, depending on the the situation. When did you, if you look at the stats when the conservatives decided to cut government? If you looked at the stats of the percentage of people who were uh, with let go, laid off. Laid off. It was mostly administrators yeah. and administration. Guess what? Now they can't get shit done. Yeah. Well, you pushed out. They kept the executives. Okay. They Make kept sense. the ununionized executives because they were the ones making and created the more positions and created more positions for them. So the question I have to the, you know, in general, in the public, why should we care? Because your entire government is creating an underclass. That's why you should care. So basically, people in poverty could be going to work at the federal government every day. Which brings me to another point. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of salaried people... Um, going to work every day, not getting paid. Yeah. Why the fuck are you going? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is, like I know that we've talked about this before. This is for the salaried permanent people. Yes, I can tell you why the by why the temporary contract underclass is not is going. Yes, they need to. Yes, you know? Um, but something that I know that we've talked about is that if this were to happen at a private sector company. It would not have continued for two years. No. It would have been dealt with immediately. And let me tell you something. I've never seen, like, the the resignation that people have displayed in terms of, well, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just like, really? Your ass is not getting paid. You are working under a contract, basically. Yeah. Even when you're salaried, there is a contract that you provide a certain performance level or whatever, yeah. and you get paid for it. If one part of the contract is not being upheld, yeah, the contract is null and void, isn't it? So why the fuck are you going to work still? Why isn't... I don't care if Phoenix like affected only 20 or 30% of the federal public service or the public service of permanent workers but if 20 percent of them walked off the job and decided not to come in because they're not getting paid you'd see how fucking fast that thing would get fixed yeah and that's the thing you teach people how to treat you people the government is not there to make you feel better it's not there to to do the right thing it's amazing to me how many people think that the government is there for just to be nice to them it's 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 just the most in can I can't even comprehend the type of ignorance you have to have to believe that. But at the same time, why are you still going to work? 
why are the unions not doing anything in terms of, yes, I've heard one is planning to sue, but they haven't done it yet. And it's been going on for two years. I think... Where the fuck are the unions that you pay your dues to? I think that the unions have been keeping a very low profile on this because of the union negotiations currently underway. They had two years. They've been trying to negotiate those damn contracts for two years. You know what? If they don't and there's get... sick leave still. Oh, God. Basically, Canadian public sector workers are apparently powerless, even though that they ha- even though they have unions. Yeah, because the unions are. I don't even like. I mean, they're individual union members who are good, mm-hmm. and like I've had a good experience. Yeah, but the unions, particularly. I don't even know why we have them at this point. Yeah. To be honest, because they're not doing much. Mm-hmm. All right. So our next topic. I'm just angry about Phoenix. I'm just angry. I wasn't even affected and I'm angry. Can you imagine everybody else? Yeah. Okay. That's brutal. So the Republicans are perilously close to passing the most transform transformational tax reform in a generation. And by the time you hear this, that may have already happened. Um, we're recording mm. this on December 9th. So who knows? Um, so the U.S. House and the Senate have both passed different tax bills and will need to vote to go to a conference in order to hash out a single tax bill that both houses will then have to vote on in order to become law. The House and the Senate passed two separate... Oh, the Senate passed theirs and the House passed... Their own. Their own. Okay. So so they each have different things in them. Isn't this... Aren't they being run by the same fucking party? That's just the way it works. Okay. They both come up with... Came up with a tax bill, depending on their different specific caucuses. Fair enough. They have to now vote to change them. Talk it out in a room with a whole bunch of old white men, presumably, and then take that one single bill and then take it back to each of the the Senate and the House. Um, So you may have seen the hashtag Trump tax scam. I did. uh, Because this is an insanely crazy bill that will give a massive tax cut to the wealthy and corporations. Cool. Um, So why does it matter? Well. Aside from rich people and corporations getting a massive tax cut, uh, the current iterations of this bill axes, one, uh, very important state and local tax deductions, otherwise known as the SALT deductions, um, which bring money into state and local governments to fund public programs. Um, In axing these SALT deductions, uh, this can be viewed as an ideological change to the fundamental structures of state and local governments because Republicans want to make governments smaller across the country. So that would do this because governments, state and local governments would then be, be incapable of delivering programs that they already deliver, presumably to marginalized 
communities. Uh, this bill also, for whatever reason, um, because American politics is very bizarre, uh, includes a repeal of the Obamacare individual mandate, which means that roughly 4 million pe- more people could be uninsured by 2019 uh, and increase premiums by 10%, and that number would increase over the next 10 years. Um, it also gets rid of private activity bonds, which help fund affordable rental housing, support home ownership, mortgages, and produce well-paying jobs. And one other thing um, because that we're just going to talk about is that the bill is also an attack on higher education and would require universities to pay taxes on endowment income and also end graduate student tax breaks, which could make master's and doctoral programs only accessible to the very, very wealthy. (laughs) There are a bunch of other things that this bill includes, but it's hundreds of pages long. Most of it's written literally on, like, in the margins of a page of paper, um, literally, and it's a big clusterfuck. Yeah, it actually was written in the margins of like a piece of paper. Yeah. Like it literally was. That's like, how it passed the Senate. We're not like. We're not. This isn't hyperbole. No. <laughs> like, okay. So this week I came across an article that I think everybody should read. It was about, um, It's it was in, is it Quartz? Quartz. Yeah. Quartz. Um, and the title is The Three Ultra-Rich Families Battling for Control of the Republican Party. If you guys want to know where these idiotic, insane fucking um, policies come from, you really need to look at this piece. It has dozens and dozens of links if you want. Well, not dozens and dozens, but it has links if you want to read further. And basically, it talks about the Mercer family. Does it also include a DeVos family? Because the DeVos family actually will receive m- a lot of money through this tax bill. Oh. it's just, There are literally specific provisions for the DeVos family. Oh, wait. Um, isn't Betsy DeVos the current I was just Secretary of say, Education? I was just about oh. to say. I also think there's a deduction for people who own private jets. <laughs> like, this bill is fucking ridiculous. Oh, my God. You should see Erica's face right now. What the? F- Betsy DeVos is married to Dick DeVos, the former CEO of the multi-level marketing company Amway and is the daughter-in-law of Amway's billionaire co-founder. She married into money. Yeah. Um. Her brother, da-da-da-da-da, is founder of Blackwater USA. Yep. Yep. Their father is Edgar Prince, founder of the Prince Corporation. Uh, And in 2016, the DeVos was the 88th richest family in America with an estimated net worth of $5.4 billion. Mm -hmm. That's why. Oh, my God. I didn't even know this. That's why she's there. Yeah. Fuck. You know what I mean? Okay, so. This like I I've you know what? I feel like I've come out of the weeds and into the forest. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cuz like there now there's this this whole like sh- like you said a chapeau that's forming. And that everybody thinks that Trump is the architect. Nah. Nah. He's not. And 
well, first of all, he can't architect shit. Yeah. I love how I used not archi- even. I love how I used architect as a verb. But whatever. Okay. But basically, um, you had first we had if you so I'll go back to the Mercers. The Mercers are family. I think they made their money in uh, derivatives or quantitative um, trading and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so basically. The Mercers are the ones who bankroll Breitbart. Yes. And Breitbart was instrumental in getting Trump elected. I don't think that the the impact of Breitbart could be diminished. Correct. They are of also instrumental in making sure that his policies sound more palatable to their readers. So yes. he is their marketing arm. I mean, they are his marketing arm. Well, I don't mean literally in their defense, but in their defense, one of I think the Mercers are, have been pulling out of Breitbart because of their more alt right ties. No, <laughs> they're. I'm pretty sure. No, I'm pretty sure they're not. I love how we now. <laughs> okay, we're gonna look. It's this because up. of Milo Yiannopoulos. But didn't they just? get rid of him and keep running Breitbart. Robert Mercer leaving his head fund selling stakes in Breitbart. Yes, but he's handing them over to his daughter. Yeah, so the head, the the patriarch is Oh, uh, I see, I see. I, yeah. I see, I see. Not but, the Mercers as a family. Oh, yeah. okay. My bad. I yeah. misunderstood. Okay, yeah, totally. So he himself is leaving, yeah. but it hasn't really changed the influence and especially the financial influence of the Mercers, sure. let's say. And they're the ones that really put Steve Bannon with Trump. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really the Mercer's policies that are being passed right now. Right. Um, but this, like, Donald mm- Trump ran as a populist. This is not a fucking re- populist tax. Who cares? He can run reform. He, he can say whatever he wants to, apparently. And 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 his legions of of followers will like, be like, yeah. <laughs> even though they're the ones who are going to suffer the most. Of course. Um, That's how it works, though. And I, the part that really like, there are many parts of this fucking tax bill that drive me bananas. I the forgot part- this was the tax bill. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to add our own little uh, I digression? I I had to look up Betsy. Um, is the the getting rid of the state and local tax deductions because then you're fundamentally changing, like Republicans want to have government out of people's lives, right? They want to reduce the footprint of government on citizens' lives. Except in this case, they're imposing federal government onto the states, which then affects citizens. Yes. Which seems fucked up to me. It seems a little backwards. A little. So this affects rich states primarily. So like New York, New Jersey, California. The states they hate. And that hate them. Yes. The blue states. Yeah. Um, the red states are already suffering because they didn't, they didn't um, expand. The, they didn't the take Medicaid. the Medicare, Medicaid? Medicaid. Medicaid expansion yeah. um, from Obamacare. So what do they care? But this is all a punishment to the blue states. Well, and the fact that, like, Republicans just generally don't like higher education because it makes people more liberal. It makes people think critically about issues. 
and it makes people more able to call out bullshit when they see it. So attacking universities and colleges is ridiculous. It also it also attacks foreigners. Yes. Because a good amount of those grad students aren't American. Yeah. And the U.S. has some of the world's best universities. Yeah. And it, which means that it attracts the best grad students. Yeah. It attracts the best researchers. And if you're getting people who can only – the only people who can afford to go are rich white people – who probably have more conservative leanings, then all your research is going to be skewed conservative instead of being well, it just, it's just, nonpartisan. This is exactly the decline of America. Donald Trump is just... I mean, people have been talking about the decline of America. At first, I was like... But um, to be honest, it's declined. Yeah, it's uh, not great. And... To be honest, I mean, I, I just, <laughs> and people are underwriting it. That's fifty-three percent of white women underwritten underwrote this bullshit. Just remember that. And so every <laughs> time I say I put up fifty-three percent on a post, remember that fifty-three percent of white women voted for Donald Trump. Fifty-three percent of white women voted for this tax bill 53 percent of white women and if you if if people are like oh well white men did yeah well they're white guys you what do you expect from them i don't really expect much <laughs> my bar's low it's, it's <laughs> mine right now is subterranean okay? Ooh, harsh words <laughs> yeah they're a little personal but <laughs> <laughs> but um but like i really I just, I'm just like people. I'm like, follow the money is my point. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention is how much do you think Citizens United have has to do in terms of the way policies are now being developed? So, for example, if anybody doesn't know uh, Citizens United, I think in 2010 it was. Um, it was a Supreme Court decision that really opened the floodgates for money in politics it removed the restrictions and ever ever since then you've had the mercers the Koches, and the adelsons really pouring money into candidates who ref who will follow the policies they want yeah so now that there's no restriction in terms of how much money could be in politics they can use that money to increase their sphere of influence to get their policies passed irrespective of the voting public and i think that's what we're seeing i really do think that citizens united is the um the sort of trojan horse in this story that people aren't really talking about and not putting together and i like i don't know is my point i mean <sighs> yeah so hopefully you can still call your representatives and tell them not to vote for this garbage fire. Um, we can also hope that the House and the Senate can't agree on things and that the things they, the b eventual bill that they take to a vote, um, senators in the Republican caucus will have principles because a lot of them have issues with it. The Senate? Yeah. yeah. They would. Yeah. Um, the Senate seems to be a little bit less of a dumpster fire. Um, a little bit more professional 
The house seems like the inmates are running the asylum and have been for years. Yeah, they're all fucking crazy. They're all fucking crazy. Yeah. However, this is the thing. Um, uh, I can't wait. You know what I can't wait for in 2018? <laughs> the Republicans turning on each other. It's so delicious and it's nothing like the democrats the democrats are nothing compared to when republicans like eat their young well they're already doing it yeah i know i can't i was just like i can't wait i just i'm grabbing popcorn now i feel like i should get some popcorn it's like i mean yes but it's also like a very stressful reality show i know it's like keeping up with the kardashians but full of a lot of stress exactly but sometimes, but this is a reality show. Yeah, and this is what you get when you get dude who's like, and Donald Trump. When it comes to media, we could all learn something, yeah. and I I will say that, and I will stand by it. However, um, you know, I like th- he's turned this entire process, this entire we're living in like an upside down in the yeah. upside down yeah reality show. Like, I can't even, it's like this parallel universe. Yeah. But it affects people's lives. Yeah. Like, I don't think he understands that, but. Uh, I don't think he cares, but. Also that. Yeah. Um. So speaking of celebrities. Good. Uh, our last topic today, it's kind of broader. It's a little bit fun. Um. So this was the year that being openly feminist became a job requirement for female celebrities, particularly recording artists. Um, In the years before the release of Beyonce's self-titled album, uh, if a celebrity, female celebrity, was asked if she was a feminist, they would often answer in the negative. And these respondents include Beyonce herself, Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift, and Lady Gaga. Uh, Eventually, these three and more, like Miley Cyrus and Selena Gomez, have bought into the tenets of feminism. Um, I'm skeptical about Taylor Swift. Um, But now the tide has turned so sharply that it threatens to wash out perfectly good female artists with it. And then on the other hand, we have celebrities like Kim Kardashian and Cardi B um, who are expected to be woke. You know, we've got Kim Kardashian promoting Jeffree Star despite his racist diatribes on his YouTube channel. We've got Cardi B who has said to her fans that she appreciates those who have supported her blossom into a butterfly uh, where she went from being a roach to a butterfly, which some people say um, gets at shadism um, within the oh, black community. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, yes, this, that, that is a big... There is a big discussion about Cardi B and shadism. I don't think it's in that piece, in that... Specific example? Specific example. I don't, like, I haven't heard anything about shadism from her, but, right. yeah. you know, I know it's a discussion that's happening. Yeah, so, I mean, what should we be expecting these female celebrities to be take on feminism as a cause, as an issue, otherwise they're canceled? No. I don't. I don't believe that you should force people to be woke. Yes. So then why do people continue to rail on Taylor Swift? Because Taylor Swift has decided to use feminism in her marketing. 
So you can't mm. use it and then not actually speak to the tenets of feminism. So she's... She can't have it both ways. So basically what you're she's saying... She's beckying feminism. Yes. She is doing the exact thing I talked about last week with regards to conservative women and trying to have it both ways and then finding out that it doesn't work for them. That's right. Huh. Okay. And uh, who, who else did we talk about? Kim, Kim Kardashian West deserves to be called out because a she has black children yes and b um this is a woman who has used black culture to make herself rich and relevant yes so yeah she deserves to be called out cardi b not so much Hmm. cardi b i feel like with the roach to butterfly i felt like that's how she felt yep you know, she felt like she was... Well, she and, was a stripper. Yeah, and she felt like... She, maybe she felt like she was... Maybe she felt like she was treated below then. And now she's, you know, she's looked up to and she's getting her moment and so on and so forth. From what I've read and heard about Cardi B, I have no issue with her. Yeah. In terms of... I think she's still finding her way. and I, But I think she's honest about it. And that is way more than I will ever give Miley Cyrus or even or Katy Perry. Yeah. Or um I'm not sure about Selena Gomez and her thing. I usually don't pay attention to her, but um I don't know what her I'm sure she's in there too, but I don't know. I feel like Selena Gomez is a little bit different. Selena Gomez I um I would say ta- doesn't specifically address feminism directly. Mhm. She, I think, discusses feminism through other things. Right. Like, she's talked about her mental health issues. And she has lupus, too. And her physical health yeah. issues. Yeah. Um, she's talked about her body positivity um, stuff. Same with Demi Lovato. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about it through a different I lens. I actually like Demi Lovato, and I've heard none of her songs. Zero. Uh, I haven't... I. Only because this is what I like, okay, personally. Yeah. And this is this is who I do not criticize personally. And we all have our journey. Sure. You know, we all have our, um, the things that we find incompatible. We all have um, issues. We all struggle. This is my, <laughs> people. We all struggle, and I find that um, the problem a lot of times is that nobody wants to admit that they struggle. Yeah, which is why I really appreciate what Demi Lovato and Selena Gomez do. Yes, yes. I think I think that there is auth- the the word we're missing is authenticity. Yes, and in the struggle. The struggle itself is authentic. Yeah. And Taylor Swift does not struggle. Sorry, but if she does, she's not authentic about it. And Taylor Swift uses feminism for her own personal gain. She doesn't make room for anybody unless it makes her look good. So this idea of authenticity is interesting to me because Kim Kardashian gives us the guise of authenticity. Does she, though? I mean, does she? Yes I, don't, no. I don't think but she does. But you feel like you know her so much more than no, you do the average celebrity. If you watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians but religiously. Yeah, but I don't. No, but she also 
She Instagrams or Snapchats her workouts. She, you know, shows herself getting her makeup done and all these things. She t- shows like, oh, like this is my messy closet. When's you know, the celebrities last... just like us. Well, when's the last time you saw Kim Kardashian trip on a set of stairs? That's not authentic. Like, no, if you're going to but... show your life, you're showing the different sides of your life. Yes. Which means that you kind of have to be able to be self-deprecating in a way if you want to be authentic because we all we all do shit like that. We all trip over something. We all fall flat on our face. So what about Jennifer Lawrence? What about her? Is she overly authentic to the point where you're just like, ugh, this is a shtick? Yeah, it's a shtick. You think? Yeah. Which parts? I think Jennifer Lawrence is a bit of a mean girl. Okay. So I don't think she's very self-aware because of that. Mm-hmm. So you can't be self-aware and real at the same time. You can't be unse- not self-aware and be real. You, uh, I think you can think you're being real. Of course you can. Yeah. Hmm. But authentically, you're not. What Sorry. makes you think she's a mean girl? Because I remember her saying she some there was some reporter who asked her a question and his English wasn't the best. Yeah. And she basically told him to like uh, re- um, <laughs> she didn't say go learn English, but she might have well has said right. go learn English. Right. You which see, was shitty. Did you see that her and Oprah are now BFFs? Of course, she's going to latch on to Oprah. I saw that Oprah just said the most profound thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, really? Because my parents taught me that. So I don't know about you. Like, you know what I mean? I was just like, I was just like, honey, please, let's just stop. Okay. (laughs) No, I just, this is the thing. If you don't want to claim the mantle, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. You don't, I'm not going to force anybody to become aware of things going on but don't come to me and talk shit right either that's the thing don't come to me with your ignorance and then be all butthurt when i tell you things that you've never heard of before because yeah. you have you have no you have no experience or education or previous knowledge on the subject mm-hmm. now for those who decide to take on the feminist mantle um be open just be open be open to other women's experiences Mm -hmm. and um you know i i hate to say it but we're all gonna have to get comfortable with a bit of criticism yeah because i've been criticized sure and i've been wrong that's fine and i'm okay with that because it's a learning experience. We're all learning. Yeah. We're all learning about each other. Yep. So I think that once you start from that place, then the authenticity can grow. Right. Whereas what these other women that we've talked about all year, basically, they have taken, and Sophie Gregoire Trudeau is one too, hmm. who has taken, only because I listened to episode one recently. <laughs> amazing amazing yeah. oh with her singing yeah oh yes with the with the mm-hmm. with the celebrate the man in your life on international uh, women's day yeah this is somebody who obviously doesn't understand what feminism is right so i'm glad she's not using it now recently 
But feminism, once the NFL did put together a PSA on um, on violence against women a couple of years ago during the Super Bowl, I was like, feminism's dead. <laughs> it's been co-opted. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, so my, my show notes actually say, um, we talk about a thing, then we talk about why it's important. So is this something that's important? Like, should we even care about whether or not our female celebrities are woke and feminist? I think it's just the way of the world. Yeah. I think it's just people, it's not... It's not just about the, the the topic du jour. Yeah. I think what's happening is that people want to know which side of the line you're on. Right. And it's not, it's... Because it's, they want to know how problematic their faves are. They want to know how problematic their faves are. Nobody wants to eat Chick-fil-A anymore. You know what I mean? Like, unless you're like, unless you're, <laughs> you know, you're like that Kim woman who doesn't want to give the licenses to gay people who yeah. want to get married. Right. With with who looks like she hadn't showered in like two weeks. You know, nobody wants to be that person. The really sad thing about that Chick-fil-A thing is that I have never had Chick-fil-A and I really want to try it, but I just on principle can't. Right. There you go. Right. So every time you see a Chick-fil-A, you associated it with discrimination against gender discrimination, basically. Yeah. Right. Yep. It's the associations. And. The associations have just gotten to the point now where we're, um, I think people are just, we just have so much choice out there. There's so much content out there that in order to gain people's attention these days, you have to reach them with their values, their emotions. You have to entertain them. You have to do all sorts of things. You basically have to do a jig. So people want to, I think, a lot of this is, I hate to use millennial, I hate it, but I'm sorry. But it's generational. Yes. I think, yes. I think it's um, an extension of the belief of our friends are a reflection of who we are. Yeah. Um, and it's taking the things that we're interested in um, as a reflection of who we are. Yes. Because if you're willing to support a sexual harasser or someone who is openly misogynistic or white supremacist then what is that telling people about you and your values that's right you know that you go on anybody's facebook profile and you pretty much know their values yep you pretty much know which side of the line they're on and that's the thing is that now we're now that we're all content producers Mm -hmm. right um well not all of us but a lot of us have that ability what the content we produce and share is a reflection of who we are, what we believe in, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, you know, I I don't think celebrities have to be woke. Who's who's not woke and I like them? Let me think. Uh, who do you like who's not woke? Um, like, in other words, see, this is the thing. Are they are they outwardly not woke? As in they say shitty things? Or is it that they don't say anything? Who are we talking about? I, Because um... I'm cool with the people not saying anything because I probably would shudder to think about what they actually had to say. Yeah. 
Because then it would be like, oh, I knew you were problematic, and now you just... I can't even think of anyone, because I'm just so, like, ambivalent about most people. Yeah. Like, I've never been someone who's been like, oh, my God, I love so-and-so celebrity, and I would die if I met them. I've never been that way. I've never had photos of, like, male celebrities on my walls Mm -hmm. or anything. Mm -hmm. I used to have a a poster of the bangles. (laughs) Yeah, I was extremely young, and I I loved their remake of Hazy Shade of Winter. Okay, and I was and I loved them because they were an all girl like rock band. Yeah, and I was like, so I have like I literally right next to the poster of Malcolm X I was like, <laughs> like as much as I love Jake Gyllenhaal and think he is so hot, uh, when I saw him turned around in New York at a coffee shop in September, faced him, and I was like, oh! Yeah. We just locked eyes. He acknowledged that I knew who he was. <laughs> and then I just walked by him and got my coffee. Good on you, girl. And I was like, oh, my God, you're so beautiful in real life. He had his really thick beard. Really? Yeah. He's better in real life? He looks just like he does. Girl, I got to hang with you more, okay? Because I'm like, you saw you had coffee with Alexis. uh, Ohanian. Ohanian. Yeah. Serena's husband. You had, look at you. You met Jake Gyllenhaal. Girl, I got to hang with you more. (laughs) It's funny because I just say, oh, I had coffee with Jake Gyllenhaal. No, he was behind me in line. Um, And then I told my boyfriend. Close enough. (laughs) I said, you kind of look like Jake Gyllenhaal if he was wearing, if he had glasses. And just so you know, for the record, I chose you over Jake Gyllenhaal. This was my chance. You're the winner. Hmm. (laughs) No, I'm imagining Paul without glasses now. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. 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 Okay, I could. Generic white guy with a beard. Like no, but like like dark hair, <laughs> yeah. Like like sure, you know, Paul. I think he can grow a pretty, you know, yeah. thing beard. Sure. Okay, I don't know. It's a it's a dude thing. Apparently, they have a thing about their beard growth. Okay. So, Erica, the one, the last thing I wanted us to talk about today. Yeah, let's get off your boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Shout last... out to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to listen to this, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. I'm good now. I am good. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about today is our journey through the past f- few months doing this podcast. What have, what have been your takeaways? What, uh, what have you learned? What do you... Tell me about this. Share this with me and our listeners, I guess. Well, I... um. Okay, so when we first started this podcast, I had this like feeling in my soul. I was like, "This is the ticket." Ooh. When we when we did our first episode, mm-hmm. I was like, "This is the shit right here." Yeah, I just knew it in my soul, right? And I knew I was like, "You know what? I hope I hope these ladies want to keep doing this with me because it's fun." Yeah, and it's cathartic for us, I think. Yeah. And um, but man, holy crap! I I feel like we just get shit done now. Like yeah. I feel like I feel like what I've learned from this podcast is that everybody has their role. Yep. And that one person's role is different from another. Mhm. And if we want to build this community, 
of like-minded, woke, intersectional feminist women, then we have to be... And women identifying. And women... Oh, sorry. Female identifying men, even men. Um, We... I, I just... We just have to each play our position, I guess. Mm. And playing your position doesn't... Like, it means that if you're a teacher, like, take some time out and spend a little extra time with the kids who are marginalized or seem like they're underperforming or may have problems at home or something like that, right? That could be your part. You could start a group. Yeah, just right? to better understand where they're coming from and their experience. Even, even if it's just to better understand where they're coming from and their experience, and from that, things grow. But I think that just to get out of your comfort zone and be angry, it's okay. But channel it into something productive and helpful. And also, I've just learned a lot about sexual assault, gender identification, even race, I've learned a lot about. Yeah. Like, a lot. Like, now, I'm, I go into some, if some guy is taking up my time or whatever, and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have to talk to you. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't this owe is, you anything. I don't owe you. The whole idea of not owing a man anything is, exp- like, in, like, you knew it intellectually, but feeling it, are two different things and I, and this podcast helped me to feel that. Yeah. Um I'd say that it's been really interesting over the past almost well, let's say 8 8 months. What's yeah. math? Yeah. 9 uh, months, 9 months. 9 months, yes. We've a had pro- a podcast baby. We've had a podcast baby. It is now <laughs> to it's now come Full to term. term. <laughs> Wow, that went to a place I didn't expect that uh, to go. Uh-huh. Um, and it'll be birth through season two. It's <laughs> It's been really interesting to me to hear from listeners who, one, are really engaged in the community, um, and two, talk to me about things that like, oh, like I never would have learned about this issue or this perspective without listening to your podcast. So I really appreciate everyone's feedback and that people that people are gaining things from it um i've also learned that as someone who hangs out with a lot of like middle-ish age bros that these a lot of these things don't penetrate to them and they have a hard time understanding it they know fundamentally that misogyny exists white supremacy exists but they have a hard time understanding their role in it um you know a lot of i was with some guys a couple weeks ago who were in their 40s they were joking like oh well i can't even like hug a woman now and i'm like you know what probably just don't and i'm like never just a good idea randomly to do so and i was like there is no anymore i'm just like it's just not that's not the conversation but if you want to believe that fine whatever i'm not gonna it's not my place to argue with you because you just are not coming from a genuine place of trying to understand where it is that's right um so 
that's cool. As long as they're aware of what the conversations are, and then hopefully over time they'll kind of yeah um, be be more open. Yeah. Um, and I know that our opinions, um, which <laughs> someone told me are quite radical. <laughs> Was this a white guy? Uh, it was an Asian guy. Oh, and a white guy, actually. Of course. There's always a white guy in there. Um, <laughs> but, like, I love how we're the radicals. They're not, like, they they're not, not the audience. Right? Have they not seen what the fuck is going on? No, yeah. And we're the radicals. It's because, it's because they're, we're starting at different places. I, yeah, I know. I, so, just, I just think, you know, logically and, speaking. Yeah, and, like, I've, if anything, I've really learned that like I said in our last episode, you know, some things we as, you know, the hosts of this podcast who have done a lot of learning over the past nine months, some things, some events, some discussions aren't for us. And sometimes it's our job to help facilitate the conversation and take the temperature of where everyone else is at. Um, And even though, you know, like Eminem and his Donald Trump quote-unquote freestyle uh, for the BET Awards didn't resonate with us, there are swaths of the population that that does resonate to, and that is a way to hook people in to the discussions we're having. And it's not our place to judge those people and because we're just coming from different experiences and different places. You know, one of the things I said about Eminem was that he's doing his part. Yeah. And... um, I couldn't fault him for taking his position yeah. and his platform and speaking to those rural people that we always talk about. Yeah. This is not our that's not my lane. Yeah. That's not my part. I'm a black woman. I can't talk to rural white people the same way. Although I can talk to rural white people. Actually, I just I, <laughs> I had a fun time with a few the other day. Not in that way. But um <laughs> We, we joked around. Anyway, and I remember thinking when I was with them, I was like, you know, I'm not even thinking about your politics. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm just hanging out. You're funny. Um, I, You know, my friends here, we're having a good time. Let's just chill out. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that, too. I also, I guess the question is, this is the difficult part for me. Mm-hmm. We say that men need to talk to other men. Yes. But we also say that women need to lead the discussion. This is a contradiction that I'm having trouble with. Um, because sometimes the way it's done is in itself perpetuating the patriarchy, right? Yeah. But at the same time, can you... like? Maybe they're just talking to men in their language. You know what I mean? I think there's probably times and places for both of those things to happen separately. Yeah. Like for a man to call another man out on sexual assault or harassment probably means a lot more than a woman doing it. Yes. But like talking about why that such and such a thing is... um upholding misogyny or and or white supremacy um can is probably more valuable coming from a woman 
So I think it could depend on the topic. I think that's a really good breakdown. I think that's really actually... See, look at that. You just, <laughs> you just furthered my understanding just now. Because you're right. It's, it's contextual. And um, I guess men sitting around and saying, hey, you know, that's, that's fucking inappropriate. Yeah. You know, is one thing. But you're right. To describe how it affects women, a man cannot do. Yes. You're right. Yeah. Just like Eminem cannot say how racism affects black people. But yeah. he can talk to white people about racism. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm here for that. Yeah. There you go. We solve problems like that in the <laughs> uh, Like it. I think I like you make a great great point. What are you hopeful for in terms of the podcast for the new year? Um. I hope that we are able to reach a wider audience and that people share the podcast and tell all their friends and read us on iTunes. <laughs> Please rate us on iTunes. We're missing um, ratings actually on iTunes. Um, but no, I think that w- I hope that we kind of continue doing what we're doing in a meaningful way and that we're not, we don't start cutting corners and then we try to keep a high in-depth level dis- of discussion Personally, I would like to cut the episode length down, um, but it's just because there's just so much going on. Yeah. Um, and I'd like us to, I mean, put out more podcasts, but there's only so many hours in a day. Yeah. And we're very busy. Yes. I honestly, I would like to see Bad and Bitchy get a bit more local. I'll get like reach out locally more. Yeah. Um, to be honest, we've been doing that. So behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Um, but to continue to grow in that space mm-hmm. so that we can we can get good content in terms yeah. of growing the podcast umpire. <laughs> Empire. Okay. <laughs> Stacy London used to call it an umpire waste. We're like, it's Empire. Ew. I know. Stacey, London. I know. Really? Really? I think she tried to sound French. And we're like, no, honey, just stop. No, no, no. Oh, goodness. It's like, you know what that is? It's like putting cheese whiz on poutine. Ew. Right. Okay. Um, (laughs) But I, I, one of the things I'm being careful of, or I'm being aware of, is the propensity to censor yourself the more people know who you are that's what i personally hope i don't do Mm -hmm. now not to say that i can't message in a different way but i don't i i guess my hope is that we don't censor ourselves to become more palatable to a mainstream audience i mean i don't think that that's gonna be a problem i'm just saying well, it's just great. you know noted, <laughs> noted. Since we're radicals and all, yes, yeah, uh, <laughs> radicals. I was just that's like, such a male thing to say. Oh, those radical feminists. Yeah, I bet you they burn their bras and they don't even shave. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna ask my boyfriend if he thinks I'm a radical feminist. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's gonna be the gauge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, everybody just thinks I'm a radical. 
Well, it's because you have too many opinions. I know. For a woman. Too many opinions. Just sit down, Erica. And, and, shh, and I'll just not worry my pretty little head about things. How about that? Sounds great. Yay! Don't do that. That is a bad idea. That's not bad and bitchy. (laughs) All right, you guys. Um, So we will see you next season in a few weeks. Oh, my God. It's like blackout. And it's like 4.38. And it's like black. It's nighttime. It's like, you know what? Fuck daylight savings time, damn it. I'm so sick of this shit. Why do we do this? Why do we want to impose mental health stress on ourselves? (laughs) Following tradition? This is an assault on my mentality. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just saying. Daylight savings time needs to just stop. Because I'm looking outside. It should be almost six. But it's just almost five. And I'm like, what's the point? Yeah. Um, Cool. Okay. That was just my aside. I just... It's just... No. (laughs) Um, So... We'll see you guys in the near. Well, I guess we'll talk to you guys in the near. We might see you guys in the near. Yeah. Yo, I was at a conference. Yo. Okay. So. Yo. I was at a women's business, some type of like, you know, not. It wasn't a conference. It was just like a breakfast or whatever. And there was somebody there. So we started introducing ourselves. And so I said, oh, yeah, I. I'm co-founder of Not In My Color, a social media agency. And then I'm like, I'm co-founder of the Bad and Bitchy podcast. And somebody's like, I know your podcast. Nice. And I was like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And then like, so that's why I said the censoring stuff. Because when people get to know you and know who you are and put the face to the name, you kind of, I find myself the first thing that I do is I automatically go, oh, shit, what did I say? Right. In my head. And I know I've said a lot. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, and that's just, maybe that's just my shit. Yeah. Probably. But, you know, I'm aware of it, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, so, guys, have a safe holiday. Happy holidays. You Merry know Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah. Um, remember, if you don't want to drink, you don't have to, and your friends shouldn't pressure you. That's right. And if you're drunk and some guy is trying to coerce you, coerce you into sex, that is not consent. Okay. (laughs) Enough with the PSAs. We had to give them. It's true. Um, you can find us on Twitter. You guys know this at Bad and Bitchy on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod, uh, on Facebook.com slash Bad and B Podcast. Uh, email us Christmas cards, um, Hanukkah cards, um, invites to parties. I like parties. I'm going to be here for a little bit. Um, you know, yeah, send us your feedback, rate us on iTunes. Um, you can send your feedback to and links and any other sort of email you want to badmbpod at gmail.com. Um, and you guys, don't forget our Patreon. Patreon.com slash badandbitchy. And as always, we'd like to thank Media Style for letting us use their space. Media Style is a progressive public affairs agency located in Ottawa. They are a social enterprise making Canada a better place. 
and we record our podcast there. Thank you, Media Style, for your continued support of the podcast. And uh, Erica, I guess I'll uh, see you in a few weeks. Yes, I am fucking out of here. I can't wait. <laughs> so I'll see you guys in the new year. Woo! Happy New Year, everyone. Bye. 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 Bad and bullshit.